Hello everybody and welcome to the very first episode of the Second Chance Points podcast. Now, you may be wondering why Ryan, as you hear in almost every show, I think up to this point it has been every show, uh, beyond the screen, yeah, mostly audible, so you've heard me on everything. Why am I talking about yet another topic in basketball? Well, as I have no excuse, I can just say I am a man of... um, multiple tastes um so here we are this has been a dream as you've heard if you've listened to mostly audibles uh jarrett will have talked about in great detail about how we have uh dreams of expansion and this is one of them and this includes a basketball talk show we got a baseball talk show on the horizon i know it's the end of the season so that might be have a little bit of a pause going into the off season but anywho back to basketball It is opening night, and there's no better time than to start this show. So what are we going to do? We're going to go over big free agent news. We're going to go over contract extensions, trades, injuries, anything you need to know about going into opening night. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. To start, we'll just hop right in. Big news in the NBA. We'll go through contract extensions, injuries, as I was describing earlier. First, Forward Nazar Little of the Portland Trailblazers agrees to a four-year, $28 million extension. This was to be expected. Nazar Little is a great 3 and D type guy. He's not really much of a passer, but he's a good rebounder. He's a good floor spacer. He can defend. He's the type of guy that you want. He's been around for a little bit and keep him since 2019, I should say, so he's heading into his fourth year. And to keep him around, I think, is big for a team that's trying to be a dark horse in the West. I don't think they can do it. I just don't think they have enough. Um, I think C.J. McCollum is proving that trading him was a mistake, um, although I do believe Shaden Sharp will be something of a impressive draft pick looking back. I don't think they have enough regardless, unless Damian Lillard can have an MVP type of season or if uh, Nurkic can stay healthy, which not saying I don't think Dame could have an MVP type of season because he definitely can, but I don't think Nurk can stay healthy, and even if he could, can he be a legit number two? I don't think so, so... I feel bad for you, Portland fans, but you guys are going to, I think, maybe be sixth in the West this year. I I just, good luck. Uh, Moving on and staying in the West, Houston. They agree with guard Kevin Porter Jr. on another four-year contract worth $82 million. Now, this one I love. I think Houston's actually a team that you, if you're in the West, kind of keep your eye on. Now, they're not going to be very good defensively, but... If Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green can have any sort of, of consistency and any sort of flow together if they can know like obviously green's going to be your number one and he's going to be your guy but if kevin porter can be a legit number two and if they can keep stockpiling these draft picks not saying there's going to be good this year but they can probably get, they can maybe get close to 30 wins this year which does is not a lot trust me it, it just isn't but for a team like this you're going to see them fighting and you're going to see a lot of teams on back-to-backs who have them who probably struggle a little bit so i wouldn't count them out of every game but I also am not going to say that they're going to have an absolutely easy cakewalk schedule. And I, like I was saying before, I just I feel like we all remember Kevin Porter Jr. for his destructive and uh, otherwise explosive exit in Cleveland. But this man can hoop. This man is a he he is a bona fide scorer. This man he plays all over the court. And it, I just truly believe if he can get some consistency and some good chemistry with Jalen Green, that's a tough two headed dragon to to face even if they might not win too many games this year so this is once again this is a team i would on the back-to-back if if i'm a bulls fan and the bulls were playing in houston on a back-to-back after playing a tough dallas team 
I'd be a little worried. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. last season averaged under 16 points, uh, 4.4 rebounds, and over 6 assists. This guy, he's good. Uh, moving forward, kind of off of contract extensions and onto, I, I guess, Charlotte at this point. Um, guard, James Booknight, charged with a DWI in Charlotte. Um, it's just not a good look right now down in the uh, fighting Michael Jordans down in Charlotte. Um, I don't really want to bring up any other legal troubles because the second that this news broke, whether you're on Instagram, whether you're on social, wherever you are, all you see is Miles Bridges talk. And uh, I don't really want to bring that in other than to acknowledge that I've seen it. Um, but this is just an unfortunate event for a Charlotte team that is already, they're not very good. Uh, they didn't do much to improve themselves, and any talent they have is either hurt or um, not in the best situation legally. So I, I worry this Charlotte team, the question becomes for them, and I, we do have big questions later, but this one isn't one of them. This is more of a tiny question. Do the Hornets just submit this season, give up, and say, you know what, we're going to try again next year with Wembenyama or uh Scoot Henderson. You never know. Um, but speaking of Charlotte, we'll stay in Charlotte, move off of the legal troubles, and uh, hopefully Mr. Booknight gets the help he needs or can c overcome this in a way that we look back and are happy to see him with. Um, LaMelo Ball likely to miss out on Hornets' regular season. Um, to begin the year already, having regressed as much as you have as a team, um, you bring back Steve Clifford for whatever reason. Uh, I don't think Steve Clifford's a bad coach. He's just never been truly successful as a head coach but you bring him back he's a guy you can trust um as we talked about the miles bridges situation not talking about him off the court but on the court that's a big loss regardless whether he should play or not we here do not think he should but regardless you lose as we talked about book night you lose bridges and now you didn't do anything to improve yourself in the offseason, and LaMelo is also out. So, yeah, I uh, I, I think you, you take your time with LaMelo. You say, hey, chill. Do what you need to do to get healthy, and uh, and then we'll come back later. And if you want to play this year, go for it. Uh, I, this could be a situation where we could see, you know, two weeks turn into three weeks, and three weeks turn into five weeks, and it'd be a thing where they just work this man out and hope that this year can be that. Um, and, and I think that gives them enough time also to – see what he can become, see how much he can grow, and see if he truly is that guy. He is a premier talent in this league, but is he a number one? That's the question. Um, and if you can bring in a guy like Wimbenyama, you will see. And not to mention that would be an, an absurdly fun show to watch LaMelo and Wimbenyama go into each other. So who knows? We, we'll see. Um, moving on, staying with the injury train, Dennis Schroeder had surgery to repair a ligament in his thumb, will miss three to four weeks. Speaking of teams that desperately need depth and do not have it right now, um, the Los Angeles Lakers are struggling right out of the gate. You have everything that you can imagine with a Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook team up. Um, they Just all sorts of rumors and, and whatever that rumor mill can churn out from Russ coming off the bench to Russ being traded to, you know, even him not being in the team huddle to begin the game and Beverly waving him over, trying desperately to get him to join. Uh, who knows? Uh, and, and then today, actually, let me see if I can find it real quick. There was something from Patrick Beverly discussing about how he feels as if Russ was being treated unfairly. Let me go ahead and find that for you real quick. And this is from The Score on Instagram, so shout out to The Score. So Patrick Beverly, speaking on new teammate Russell Westbrook, quote, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a starter. He's not going to come off the bench. I need him in the starting unit with me. The media has been trying to kill my boy Russ, man. End quote. So, is this something that you say to the media, 
to try to paint a better picture than what's actually happening? Yes. But is he speaking the truth? I don't think he's lying. Um, do I think that everything's all buddy-buddy since they've been together? No. I, I, I think some of those rumors probably come from some form of truth or another. But is he going to come off the bench in terms of Russ? I don't know. I think it depends on... I think he probably starts the season in the starting rotation, and they try to see what that lineup with Bev, Russ, AD, and Braun, what those four can do together. Um, but I, I would not be surprised, and, and you shouldn't be either, if at some point Russ does get benched, um, because that's what Frank Vogel was trying to do last year anyway. And if he does get benched and it, st- and it sticks, say he's benched for a solid two weeks, he's not going to play there anymore. They're like Russ is, he's in that stage where Melo was a couple years ago, where in Oklahoma City, where they were, they asked him to come off the bench and he just wouldn't. Um, we're seeing that with Russ, except it's just more explosive. I feel like so. Uh, I Russ is one of the most entertaining players, and he he is a Hall of Famer to Patrick Beverly's credit with what he was saying. He is so. I I would love to see Russ actually like the, basketball is better when the Lakers are good. So I really hope that the Lakers are good and that they are a legit playoff team and title contender. Um, I really hope to see LeBron actually get the help that he needs. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, who knows? Uh, but anyway, back to what got us on this topic. Anyway, we went off topic there. Dennis Schroeder out um, already, like I was describing, a, uh, a weak bench there. Uh, they need shooting. They need ball handling. They need guys that can score. And the first month of the season will be without the guy they brought back for that reason. Um, so prayers for Dennis Schroeder, hopefully comes back better than ever, but not good for the Lakers to start the season, especially in a, in a tough, both sides, really the East and the West are really tough this year. Um, we're going back to contract extensions. DeAndre Hunter agrees to a four year, $95 million contract with the Atlanta Hawks. I think that that's a great signing, especially with everything you've done. Um, you bring in DeJounte Murray. Yes, you, uh, you did deal away some talent with that but that's okay because you got a legit like we talked about the one-two punts that could be in houston we have it bona fide in dejounte murray and trey young in atlanta and you add got you keep those guys like deandre hunter around he's just a good three and d wing player who can absolutely score and fly around so yeah i i think this is fantastic i think the hawks uh they are going to be great but are they going to be championship contender like i just feel like they're outside of the level of like uh boston philadelphia uh i i hate to say brooklyn and milwaukee uh we we will have a lot of discussion about brooklyn maybe not today but at some point um but those three or four teams i atlanta is like the b tier but they are the head of the b tier if that makes sense they're like you've got like chicago miami um they're not better than miami per se but in that level like atlanta has proved them has the talent to be there um, moving on, this one's more interesting because I felt that, that this player should have been dealt earlier in the year when the Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant stuff was going down. Reports indicate that the Wolves, whoa, sorry. Reports indicate that the Wolves are not interested in bringing back Deon, uh, D'Angelo Russell per Shams. Interesting development in Minnesota. They sold their soul to acquire Rudy Gobert and they talk as if they have hit a home run. Uh, and, and Rudy's... I mean, he seems happy. Uh, I, I don't. I've never seen anyone get dealt to Minnesota and be happy. Uh, the last time I think that happened was when Kevin Garnett returned for his like retirement run. Uh, but yeah, uh, he, he. I mean, hey, uh, good for them. Uh, I felt. I feel. I truly feel like a D'Angelo Russell and an Anthony Edwards backcourt, if, the, if their full health will be scary. 
Uh, but I understand if the, he just isn't going to fit in the in that chemistry in that locker room. So the question becomes, what can you get for him? Now, off the top of my head, I'm not for certain. Uh, it just really depends on who needs what. He is a guy that, especially in a year where there's going to be a lot of trade bait because of the Wembenyama sweet stakes, um, you will see... Honestly, I can see him getting lowballed because people want picks, not players. So you, you have this weird mixture of teams that are like, we want to win a championship now, and everyone else, outside of maybe a few in the middle that feel like they should be contenders but aren't, everyone else is just going to be selling their soul to try to get this guy. Or Scoot Henderson. No disrespect to that man because that man is going to be – he's tough. He's a tough point guard. So who is going to be in on the D'Angelo Russell sweepstakes? I don't know. I can, I can easily see, the like we always talk about the Lakers in every trade talk, trying to bolster that roster. I can see the Lakers, but I don't think they have the capital for that. Um, I can see a team like an Orlando type that might want to try to make that jump early. Orlando's got a lot of young talent, and if they can somehow swing a D'Angelo Russell without giving up a Franz Wagner, without giving up a Cole Anthony, without giving up all you know, any of those guys that they have down there, um, you know, you, you don't, I mean, hey, the more pieces you have around by, by, uh, Banchero, better. So, uh, that, those types of teams I can really see, uh, maybe Detroit, uh, who knows at this point, but I, I, he, that will be an interesting sweepstakes for sure. Moving along in the big news, Mavsime veteran point guard and former, uh, EuroLeague teammate for Luca, Facudo Campazzo. Formerly of Denver. Now, if you don't know Vancudo Campazzo, he was that. Uh, who who do I compare him to? Give me a second. Um, he is a Pablo Percioni of the present day. If you remember Pablo Percioni, formerly of New York and Houston, this guy that stayed in EuroBasket for a little while, EuroLeague play, and then in his late twenties, early thirties, came over and just absolutely dropped dimes and played like a Spaniard. And so he he's amazing like like Campazzo is fun to watch if you watch anything Denver the last few seasons he was just I mean he was a an electric veteran style player who was he's might he's on the shorter end he's under six foot at 5'11 but he's tough defensively he's a good veteran presence and on top of that you add him next to a guy who is arguably a top three player in the league right now according to Bleacher Report and a team that needed a veteran point guard not only that but played with him and that has that chemistry. Campazzo is going to be a lot of fun to watch in that Dallas Mavericks. He replaces that Jalen Brunson big hole left. Not to the same extent, but at least they have a backup point guard who can play and do what, at least somewhat fill that hole that was left. I love the signing. Dallas, um, we'll talk about them more later. Uh, with we'll, We have a lot to go over with Draymond Green. But great move by Dallas and I, I hey watch watch out for Dallas that Christian Wood and Compazzo that bench is going to be tough um and here we go so we talked about the warriors hinted at it hinted at Draymond we have two everyone knows about it two major extensions Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins both agreeing to four year maxes Poole four years 140 million Wiggins four year 109 million or up to 109 and up to 140 around those numbers for each so these come a week after Draymond is complaining about not getting his and then Dex pool and all that TMZ stuff. We don't really need to get into the uh, the ripple effect of the punch, but this is more so what I really want to get into in the meat of this and the big talking points I have for today. Tonight is the opening night for the NBA. This, is, this will come out late afternoon on Tuesday, so you're probably listening to this Wednesday, so we won't really go over the games on Tuesday. We will look ahead into games later in the week. Um, but we won't go over Tuesday because everyone and their moms talked about what's going on Tuesday night with this Warriors team. 
But in terms of the future, Draymond has not held back in saying that he is not afraid to leave this Warriors team. And why should he? I mean, think about it like this. This man has accomplished everything in his life that you can ever imagine to accomplish at a franchise. Not only has he won a championship, and in the role that he has been in, he is the Dennis Rodman of his squad of the Golden State Warriors, that enforcer, that defensive player. He is multi-time defensive player of the year. He might not be... MVP, he might not be finals MVP, but this man plays well when he needs to. He, I mean, he might not be what he used to be, but he will always be remembered as the loudmouth, rebounding, absolute coast-to-coast, maybe pull-up-for-three enforcer for the Golden State Warriors in their prime and in their uh, dynasty runs. So, what's to lose by saying you want your money? I get that, but to play devil's advocate here, too, you know you're on the out. Like you, you're on you of that old regime that is aging. So Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond. You're the most expendable. I hate to say that, and I, I do agree that this year that they do need him still. But if they dealt him now, by the time the playoffs rolled around, the Warriors would be the Warriors still. Whereas if you lost Clay or Draymond or Clay or Steph, excuse me. They wouldn't be. Like we saw what happened when Clay was out, and granted they that Warriors team had a lot of issues missing the playoffs those couple of years. But you see what happens whenever, even to this day, and even for the next probably two or three seasons, without Steph or Clay, this team is going to be awful. Yes, right now, if you were to trade Draymond or Draymond were to leave, your defense would be trash and you would need a lot of help. But I just feel like this Warriors team can still get over that, whereas they can't get over anyone else. So kind of, I see both sides of the argument here. I think Draymond, I, I love that he's doing what he's doing to get his own money and to help benefit himself, especially when he's already done everything for the team. He's been with one squad his entire life, or his playing career, I should say. He's won all these championships, been the huge part. But at the end of the day, what does this do to your legacy? This man turns 33 in March, I believe. Um, like, I get his position, but he, it, it, it's a tough situation. But I think the point is, with these two extensions, the Warriors have chosen. They have said, Draymond, you're not getting your money from us. And that's the thing, too. Draymond pushing for this money from the Warriors because he knows that the Warriors are the one team that will give him that, or would have anyway. They're, like, if he was going to get it, it's going to be a Golden State. He's not getting that. The Warriors have chosen, and there's just the rumor mill we talked about earlier with Russ. It is churning, talking about where this man is going to go. So, talk about big questions. Looking around the NBA... Many teams have said that they would like Draymond, or you've heard rumors of their stars. Those teams in particular, which I have seen, Portland, Damian Lillard saying he wants Draymond. Dallas, Lucas says he wants Draymond. Miami, Jimmy Butler has said that they could have the best defense in the league if they can get Draymond, depending on what you can give up. I agree. The Lakers have obviously been tied to Draymond, and a lot of people saying that he was trying to, for or I don't remember who was saying it. Maybe it was Trey Young was saying that, that uh, Dre was trying to force his way to L.A. Don't know if that's true. And then Detroit, I've heard for a long time, wants this man. And that makes the most sense because that is a nitty-gritty, tough team. And if they can get him without giving up too much, can you imagine a nitty-gritty, tough, young Detroit team adding Draymond? Ooh. So, looking at, say that those are the teams. Portland, Dallas, Miami, L.A., and Detroit. Let's go through these and see which one you're most likely to give to if you're Golden State. So, if you're Golden State... You want the most leverage that you can get. 
This man, he is, like I said, he's not even 33 yet. He is still, while he struggled a little bit, he is still that 3 and D type, that leader in the vocal locker room. He is your stopper for anybody, your LeBron stopper, your Durant stopper. Like, this is your guy you're throwing whoever. He is a locker room leader. He buys into your system. He plays very well, very good in, in any sort of offense, as you can see with the Golden State Warriors offense. Granted, they have the best shooter of all time. Anyway, whatever, right? He can run an offense by himself, not because he's going to score, but because he's a great passer. He's a great. He sets great screens. Doesn't really get a lot of credit for some of the things he does off ball. This is a guy that you can say for the next three to five years, you could still get this or a form of this. And then even when he declines and say year four post trade, he is still going to be that veteran leadership that you can not only play a little bit but like extend. So you're talking about I said three to five. You can probably even argue potentially four to seven. Right, like that's old, but like or that's that's a lot, and he would be an old man by the end of that in terms of NBA age. But regardless, that is still potential. You say that's seven years; that's your entire window. I'm opening the window for you, whoever you are trading them to, if you're Golden State, and you're talking to whoever you're trying to deal to. So, let's look around once again. If you're Golden State, you're thinking, okay, first and foremost, I'm not dealing Draymond to a team that can potentially be on the opposite side of me in a playoff run in a championship run. So that, in my mind, immediately eliminates three teams, Dallas, Miami, and L.A. Yes, L.A. would need probably the most help, but that is still LeBron, and if you give him even a little bit, I don't care how old LeBron is. LeBron's LeBron, and you saw what he did in 2018 with the, with the Cavs. It doesn't matter. You give him anything and even anything more, I think a Draymond is perfect. Say you get Russ playing well, you have Russ, Pat Bev, Dre, LeBron, and AD, that, I think that lineup can make a run if LeBron has another year like he can have, and I know he can have. So, you're once again, you don't want him in the Pacific. Uh, you're Golden State. You say no Dallas, no Miami, because Miami could be across from you, and you do not want to play that type of defense if you can help it in the finals. So, that leaves two teams, Portland and Detroit. Now, both of these teams, not bad. They have a lot of talent. We talked about uh, Portland earlier with how they could at most be a sixth seed in the West, at least in my personal opinion, they, they're trying to remain that dark horse that they've been for years. I just don't know if Chauncey Billups is that coach. Once again, way off topic. But if you are a Golden State, either one of these teams you're fine with because you know, yes, Portland is improved and they're already a playoff team. You know you can probably beat them regardless. But it still kind of scratches the back of your mind like, oh, man, I don't want Draymond in the West. So in my mind, the only logical place you could send him to is Detroit. Hear me out. I know I hyped up Detroit and their the Bad Boys era that they can have, Bad Boys 2 that they can have if they end up getting Draymond. But hear me out. Detroit is Detroit. They've been a poverty franchise to say, in all due respect, you've been bad, Detroit. Detroit fans, do not at me. Don't talk to me. You've been bad. Don't tell me that you're good now because you're still you're still going to win 30 games. Like, like you're better. You're, you're going to be a good team if you can keep what you have. But you're still not going to win more than 35 games at the most, okay? So... Golden State looks at Detroit, and they see cash. They see nothing but, like, you know that, that that cheesy image of, like, the dollar signs over the eyes? That's exactly what's going on in the Golden State front office when they look at Detroit and they think of a trade for Draymond. If you're Detroit, you have all the leverage that I described earlier. Or if you're Golden State, you have all the leverage that, you, that I was describing earlier. You look at Detroit, and you think, hey, you give me... Just name them. List this player, this player, this player, this player. All these young players and a bunch of draft picks. And I can promise you, like, Draymond will be everything I said earlier. Four to seven years with four years legit Draymond. Around all the young players that you have, on top of whatever you end up getting in the future, you're going to be tough. And you just you sell this and you sell this. And you just imagine if you got, like, a 
like a Bojan Bogdanovic and a Marvin Bagley. You got some. You just got these bench players. Like maybe you try to swing for a Killian Hayes. You know you're not going to be getting like a Jaden Ivey or a obviously uh, Cade Cunningham. But like there are guys on here that you could really get that would really help your roster. Like uh, even like. I don't want to say Rodney Magruder, but it's just a defensive mindset is kind of where my mind's at. But there's there are a lot of young players in Detroit and bench-worthy players that can shoot, that can play defense, that can really help your, your roster right now if you're Golden State. And you're thinking, okay, I've got a lot of young pieces. I've got Kaminga. I've got Poole. I've got Wiseman. Name whoever else. I, I have youth. If I can get a little bit more youth, say, in a Marvin Bagley, and then you add in that Bogdanovich who can come off the bench and shoot as a small forward – you know, maybe you add a Hamadou Diallo to there. Like, like it doesn't matter. Like, Jalen Duran is still there in, in, in Detroit, like, drafted very recently. So it's like, who knows what you can get out of this Detroit team? Who knows what Detroit's willing to give up? And if you're—I mean, this is Golden State. They are the master front office of the, of the league right now. They are what once was uh, the— Spurs, what the Spurs were under R.C. Buford. This R.C. Buford's still there, but they're just not very good in the throws of a rebuild. Golden State, you can do this, so I'm interested to see— Long story short, I feel like you can go, you can send him to Detroit and get a crap ton, and that is the most out of the way and the least impactful to you in the next probably two to three years. You can send this man and it not bother you at all. So, and then Draymond probably gets his max, at least of whatever Detroit can offer, because it's Detroit. Uh, and, and it's not a bad move for Detroit. Uh, if they can keep, like, Sadiq Bay and, and uh, you know, Kay, Jaden Ivey, Isaiah Stewart, like, all those guys, uh, they, they could be tough, but in terms of championship contendership, I don't think that puts them there. Number one and number two for Golden State, that puts Draymond out of the way, tucked him in a little corner. We say, we'll see you again at Jersey retirement. Uh, goodbye. So we near the end of our show. We are about, wow, we're about 27 minutes in, 26 minutes in. So, yeah, thank you guys for coming before we head into our final segment. Um, yeah, uh, we'll be on to big questions in the NBA right after this. Welcome back as we get on to big questions in the NBA, our final segment. Also, sidebar, I completely did disregarded some big like aspects of this show that usually will be there. I will usually have two correspondents, one focusing on the East and one focusing on the West. Didn't think I was going to do this this week until it got to about 3.30 on Tuesday, and I said, you know, I've got some time, and I really want some things to get off my chest about the NBA. So here we are. Hello. Um, usually there will be more voices than mine. You'll see some more graphics. Like, there's going to be a graphic coming up about this week in the NBA. We're only doing – well, I'll describe that later. Anywho, um, there's usually more than to this, um, but this week you just got my lovely voice. So, uh, once again, I want to thank you guys for stopping by and uh, moving on to our final segment. So, big questions in the NBA. We're going to look around the league heading into opening night and post-opening night. We're going to question things that we just really need to start understanding about this NBA season. So, first off. We talked about Golden State, and I promise this is the last thing that I'm going to say about them. What will this starting lineup look like tomorrow? Now, according to ESPN, the lineup will be Steph, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond, and Kevon Looney. I don't buy it. I think that this is about time not only for James Wiseman to probably take a starting lineup. Yes, Kevon Looney is that veteran leadership, that big, that's played with his team for a long time. I think James Wiseman's going to take over, and you're going to see... Not only James start at the center, 
But now the question becomes, Jordan Poole, why is he not in the starting lineup? Like, he's your future. You signed him for four extra years for a, for a max. You chose him over Draymond, but you're not going to start him. So the question becomes, will he start? Does he start? What does Steve Kerr kind of come out with to to not exacerbate this huge issue in terms of chemistry that they've had? And they've we've heard from Kevon Looney specifically how he broke the trust of the Warriors. And once again, I don't want to get too much into it because I know you've heard it already. So does Draymond start? I do think so. Maybe the only like so I talked I just talked about Wiseman. If if this lineup is true and the only change that needs to be made is Wiseman over Looney, I think that will happen. But I can also see Draymond starting at the five and then just throwing uh, Poole in there, and you got Clay, or you got Curry, Poole, Wiggins, Thompson, and Green, and that would be an interesting five. I think that, I mean, it'd be tough, and defensively it'd still be there. But And then you have Kevon Looney and James Wiseman. You play huge off the bench because you you have DiVincenzo, essentially your backup point guard. They still have Jamichael Green, who's day-to-day. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, Kevon Looney all coming off the bench with Dante DiVincenzo. Um, I mean, Andre Iguodala's out, but he's not going to play. Uh, Moses Moody and Ty, Ty uh, sorry, excuse me, Ty Jerome are still there on the bench. I don't think Ty Jerome and Moses Moody will see much. I think Moses Moody more than Ty Jerome. Um, but I think we're going to see, that's going to be a nine, 10 man rotation. You're going to see Poole as the, essentially, I think he's going to start, but you're probably going to see him as the backup point guard as well. So you'll see guys like Clay and Steph probably get out a little, like take breathers earlier than what you think. Um, and then that, what I was describing earlier, that five will probably be their closing lineup. Uh, but what do, does this team, talking about tomorrow and talking about post that, what does this team look like? Is that chemistry going to regroup? Are they going to be able to, to rehash? I don't have a question for that. All right, I don't have an answer for that, excuse me, but we shall see. Moving on to another question. Here we go. Big question that I really, really need answered. What will the Boston Celtics look like under interim head coach Joe Mazzulla? Now, you might be wondering when you read it, or at least when they announced their interim head coach as, uh, you know, their or their original coach got in trouble, but we I don't want to go into that because I know you've heard about it. Um, anyway, who is Joe Mazzulla? Why should I care about him? And let me tell you why. This man's a young man. He's 34 years old, and he is now essentially a head coach in the NBA. His coaching career is not very uh, expansive. He, I mean, he's been around a little bit, so he coached at the Division II level. He led a, let me see here, what is their name? I cannot remember. Vermont State in March 2017 is when he was hired, and he two, after two years he led them to the 2019 NCAA Division II tournament. They lost to Mercyhurst in overtime, essentially ending his college coaching career because right after that, he was hired by uh, Udoka as an assistant coach under, uh, obviously, in Boston. So he's been there ever since, been there for a couple of years, and now Missoula is the interim head coach. So honestly, he doesn't have a very extensive coaching career. He's very young. What does this Boston team look like? Are they going to be able to be what they were last year? Yes, this is the same coach that was there during their their chemistry and during their cultures like as it was being set up so it's not like hugely shocking um so i don't know he's been there for a long time i just don't know if we've seen guys get called up to interim head coaching positions and they just flaunt like flounder like teams that they're coaching whether or not they've been there already they don't do so hot so i i just don't know if what we will see from the celtics team they are better this is a, still a runner-up in the NBA who won the East, lost in six to the Warriors. 
still have like they got better as a roster. They got Malcolm. Uh, uh, gosh, why I cannot think of names today. Give me one second. Malcolm Brogdon. There we go. They got Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, but I just I worry about what this team can be. I just it's gonna take a lot of leadership that I don't know if like they have, but like will it be able to overcome a potential coaching issue? I don't know. Um, Udoka is a great coach, gotten a lot of trouble. We won't talk about that again. Um, moving on, next big question: Where will DeAndre Ayton get dealt if he remains unhappy in Phoenix? I have an answer. I think I said it earlier in the show. I don't remember if I did or not. I am a Bulls fan. You best believe I think he's going to or Chicago, or at least Chicago is going to be one of those teams vying for him. There have already been, I don't remember where I read it. This was like a month and a half ago, so forgive me. Pretty sure it was on, like, maybe not, was it Shams? I don't remember who. Somebody was saying that Vucevic would be a guy that would be looked at from the Suns. Now, is that true or not? Probably not. But imagining if it is, and I really hope it is, and then looking at the rest of what that Bulls have to offer a waning Suns team whose window, I would argue, is already closed, I think the Bulls have a really good shot at landing Aiton. Let me put it this way. Vucevic is a starting point. You still have Kobe White. You still have a bunch of other young pieces. You say Maybe you say Patrick Williams and uh, Desunmu are off of the table. You can't touch them. But I will give you maybe depending on like depending on the conversation I might be able to give you Caruso I don't know if I would I wouldn't be willing to do that but listen a starting lineup of ball if he can ever get healthy Lonzo Ball uh uh, DeMar DeRozan Zach Levine Pat Will and DeAndre Ayton that's a tough lineup and it's hard to beat and then you've got Io DeSumo coming off the bench and a bunch of other young pieces you still have uh Jalen, or not Jalen Green, you still have a bunch of young pieces coming off that bench that you can still, even after the trade, run with and do well with. Goran Dragic is there, Andre Drummond is there as veteran leadership pieces. So I, I could see Chicago with their draft capital and their assets. I could see them doing a lot of really fun stuff. But uh, we shall see. Moving on, next question. We're almost done. Can the Kings be good before Fox wants out? This is I, I, I think this is kind of an underrated question going around the NBA right now. Because I think De'Aaron's close to asking out. Uh, This man's going to ask for a trade if, by the deadline, they are not at least in playoff contention. And I I know that that might just be a silly rumor going around, but I think it's true. I mean, you look at this Suns— Kings roster. They still have Harrison Barnes. Terrence Davis is a good back is a good backup who could play. Batsy Delavadova is a good veteran leadership. Yes, you have Rashawn Holmes who's like, eh, he's good, but like he will he can't be anything more. They did deal for Kevin Hurter, which I think was a great pickup. Um, they've got Malik Monk in the offseason. They picked up Keegan Murray in the draft. I and Keegan Murray is playing well. They obviously last year traded uh, for uh, Demontis Sabonis. I just don't. I still don't like the Tyrese Halliburton deal. I feel like I still feel like that was a detriment to them. I think that set them back. Uh, I still I like I do like a lot the uh, still to this day the Davion Mitchell pickup. I think that that's he's he's the Draymond of that team essentially just without the voice. So I I really think this team is interesting in the fact that they could potentially make a run to a play-in, but I just, I don't think, will that be enough to keep De'Aaron, and will they stay healthy? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm interested as, as what I was describing earlier, because they're one of the more interesting teams where they actually have some talent. 
they have some uh they have some decent coaching. They just hired Mike Brown, so I I think uh, I it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting year. I don't think they've got enough, but we shall see. Uh, I think De'Aaron wants out, and where he goes is beyond me. So uh, good luck, Sluice, trying to figure that one out. So here we are this week in the NBA. We're finally here. As you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, popping up on your screen, whatever it is. I don't think there will be a sound effect, but here it is. This week. Through Sunday, games, usually this would be followed by a prediction. So you'd have like all three, me and my two correspondents, and it'll pop up our records and such. Not going to do that this first week. As I said, I did this kind of last second. But originally there was October 18th today, and I might leave it on there just because it is this week in the NBA. Today is uh, Philadelphia and Boston, and then the Lakers and Golden State, as Golden State has a ring ceremony and everything that comes with that, as we described earlier. So it, it'll be interesting October 18th on TNT, uh, be there, be square. Uh, moving forward, October 19th you on ESPN, you have the New York Knicks taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. And then following that, you have Dallas in Phoenix for a Western Conference rematch, which was fun. But I don't know if there will be much to it this year. I mean, it, the most it'll be is a Phoenix like revenge tour, but I, I just don't think they have enough. In terms of chemistry, they have enough talent. But how much can you continue to rely on Chris Paul and his waning years of his career? DeAndre Ayton's not happy to be there. Uh, and Dallas, as I described earlier, has done nothing but get better. So I, I expect Dallas, like they did win handily in the postseason last year against Phoenix. But expect I don't think that game will be as fun as what people think. Uh, the next day, October 20th on TNT again, Milwaukee travels to Philadelphia, and then the Clippers take on the Lakers as that rivalry gets renewed once again. Two more fun matchups. I truly, I, I'm not going to make predictions, but I, I think that'll be one of the more entertaining nights throughout this weekend. Uh, October 21st on ESPN, Boston travels to Miami, and then following that, Denver goes to Golden State. I'm sorry, Denver fans. I think whatever window you might have had is gone. You will be, you will still be a really good team. But, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, moving forward again, October 22nd on NBA TV, the San Antonio Spurs take on the Philadelphia 76ers. And then following that, you have Memphis in Dallas. The Dallas and Memphis game will be a lot of fun, considering that both of those teams, I feel like, will probably be top three in the West this offseason. <gasps> I said it. I made a prediction. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So here we go. Um, expect that matchup to be seen quite a lot in the next decade. And then finally, on Sunday, October 23rd on NBA TV, Phoenix travels to Clipperland to take on Los Angeles. I love the Clippers. Am I wrong to think that it might be the Clippers, Grizzlies, and Mavericks as the top three seeds in the West this year? Oh my goodness, I'm doing it again. You don't know. Here we go. So yeah, I think that's been our show. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching. Um, like as I was describing earlier, it's going to be a lot different moving forward. Well, maybe not a lot different, but it'll be it'll have a different vibe. There'll be more than just my blabbering mouth going on and on about certain things. But yeah, I appreciate you guys watching. Uh, thank you again for stopping by. This has been Second Chance Points. I'll see you guys later.